Alright, so Ephesians 2, verse 10, and 1 Peter 4, verse 10. If you need help where they are, uh, you got a table of contents. <laughs> now, the reason for two passages will be made clear in a minute, I think. Um, there's a good reason for it. So, we all there. Alright, Ephesians 2, 10. For we are God's workmanship. For we are God's workmanship. For we are God's workmanship. First Peter four ten. First Peter four ten. As each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So use your gift as good stewards of God's varied grace. Let's pray. Father, tonight as we talk about creativity... I feel unqualified and I feel that I have little to say because here we are discussing an attribute that you are known for, the creator. Guide us, Father, I pray, that we be humble in our approach yet also in awe that you are calling us to participate in a minor way in reflecting your creativeness. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is part six of our perfectly imperfect series of messages. Yes, they are imperfect messages, but they're also dealing with imperfections within us. That is what the ten boxes and the words are for. They're presents. And each one of these words represents a gift unto us. And, and the reason for the focus on each of these is that they are exposing areas of our own imperfections. Or in other words, to, to delve into each of these topics, it takes vulnerability, which means I'm taking off the mask if I've got it all together and I'm showing that I am imperfect. So perfectly imperfect is dealing with the fact that we are all imperfect and we do not find ourselves happy or we cannot connect with one another in our imperfections until we're okay with the fact that we're imperfect and we're all imperfect and we will never be perfect. So the more we admit we're not perfect and we embrace our imperfections, the happier and the more connected and the more whole we'll be living. You'll be experiencing joy and creativity and resilience and stillness and you'll have self-compassion upon yourself and upon others and joy and faith and authenticity. I guess fun and purpose and rest work too. <laughs> so that's, that's the whole thing. So we're on number six. We're dealing with creativity today. And uh, special thanks to Whitney's creativity on this box because you notice that she chose the most plain paper of them all, brown, and it's just begging for creativity to happen in it. And so she birthed some life into it. 
and kind of creatively wrote that on the box, right? <laughs> so that was Whitney's handiwork there. Um, okay, so creativity. Let me start with this apology before we go into it. I am not going to be declaring, as we often do when we open the scriptures, uh, we often give commands, we talk with authority, we say that this is what God says, this is how you should live. We're, we're, we're usually steering with, with the authority of God's word. What I am doing tonight is not so much telling you to be creative. I am rather inviting you to participate in a creative lifestyle. I'm inviting. This is, the reason I'm inviting is this. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, be creative. Nowhere. So I'm going to take the tone of scripture and not tell you, be creative, Jacob, or you're just not fit to be a Christian. I want to take the approach of Jesus who told parables of God who took nothingness and made it into something beautiful in Genesis 1. Of the prophets who didn't just say repent, but they told long forms of poetry and walked around naked to get their point across. Uh, David in the Psalms, who didn't just say, I love you, Lord, give me my daily bread, amen. But his, his prayers are so much more creative than that, so much deeper See, the Bible has the structure of creativity. It never tells you be creative, but it invites you into this experience of worshiping God in less than I did it the exact same way every time sort of way. So this is an invitation. It's an invitation to break out of the proverbial box. Like this one. Yes, I have words on this box. This is the proverbial box. You guys have seen creative things, right? Um, You've heard things that are off the wall, like humor, art, music. There's these creative things going on. And sometimes when it catches our attention, we say, that guy's out of the box. And usually when we say that, what we mean is that guy's creative. So here we have our proverbial box. And uh, it says comfortable, safe, and sameness. Because <laughs> that is what this box represents. Everything in the box is comfortable. It's safe. It's familiar. It's the same. And this is where we like to live. Because it's comfortable, safe, and sameness. Now, inside of this box, you find it's boring. It's dark, and there's no meaning. But we like this box because it's comfortable, it's safe, and it's sameness. I can be the same as everybody else. Outside of this box is something totally different. It's not boring. It's not dark. It's not meaningless. Outside of the box, we have originality. We have beauty. We have meaning. So, what I'm going to propose tonight is that creativity is that which takes us out of this proverbial box. Because if we don't get out of this box, we're going to find ourselves boxed in. But that's not anything anything deep or profound. 
So, now how do you how do you open this box? How do you how do you get out? Well, there's two ways to go about this. The first is the one none of us like. It's called pain. Pain will get you out of the box because this is what pain does to your world. <laughs> right? That's that's what pain and suffering does. It says my world it's wrecked. What do I even do with this? I don't even... And all of a sudden, this light is pouring into the box, and it's no longer boring. It's no longer the same as all different. You're like, I don't even know what to do. Like, suddenly, the borders that you're so used to feeling, you're like, I understand everything. It's just... Ah! <laughs> oh, the other side of my illustration broke. Oh, well. <laughs> but see, that's what pain does. And, and when we go through suffering, often what we begin to learn is... At first it hurts because everything that you know is wrecked and ripped and smashed. But when we come out on the other side of it, you realize, I don't need that box anymore. And, and we realize that suffering and pain have actually led us to a higher form of life that experiences originality, who I really am. It, it experiences beauty. It sees life in a totally different way and it, and it finds meaning. That's the first way to get out of the box. That's not obviously the way we prefer. You see, you don't have to just rip the box open all at once. There's slower ways of opening the box, right? Now, I mean, at Christmas, that's how you do it. And I always feel bad for the presents. Not really. But there's other ways of opening the box, which I totally ruined the point of showing now because it's just not here. It's full, right? It's full. The other approach to open the box is to just... There's two more. <laughs> right? And it just kind of opens the top a little bit. It, it shows, okay, I'm comfortable with my walls and my boundaries and my borders and these things I get. And then just kind of opens up a little bit and you're like, ooh, there is more. That version would be creativity. It, it gently opens the box a little bit. And so that's what we're looking at. Um, suffering, of course, is a serious thing, and that needs a whole nother message. In fact, there's a whole book in the Bible about it. But tonight we're going to look at that gentle form of creativity. Now, creativity, I talk about this, some of you guys are like, okay, I'm so not creative. So obviously I'm a loser, and I'm going to totally tune Brandon out until he talks about something interesting because I'm so not creative. False. We are all creative. Some are just way more creative than others. But we are all creative. Because creativity is a choice to cultivate creativity. And there are people who choose not to deal with creativity in their life. They just, oh, that's so, ugh, nah, I just don't do that. I'm just like a more realistic person. And the reason we say that is because we know that creativity takes us out of our comfort zone. It opens that box. And some of us don't, oh, keep that shit. I like my little, dark, boring, meaningless world where I can see all the walls. Because when I am creative, let's say I paint a picture 
Uh, there it is. Brandon McCulloch's painting and all of its patheticness. And, and I show that to you guys. It's, vulnerable, it's vulnerability. This is me. This is my work. And I know it's not perfect. And I'd personally rather you guys not see all the things I've written and the paintings I've painted. And Because uh, I know that there's not... Uh, and so some of us choose not to be creative. But there's a little bit in all of this. And here's the thing. Creativity grows as you use it. Slowly but surely, it grows. You can suffocate your creativity till it's gone. Or you can choose to continue to use it here and there. And it sort of grows. I want to read you guys a quote from C.S. Lewis. How many of you guys have read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Awesome. Uh, you guys ever seen the title page? I'm sorry, the dedication page to The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, C.S. Lewis, the dedication page, where you know this book is dedicated to, uh, in, in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, he dedicates it to his goddaughter, uh, Lucy. Uh, and so this is what he writes to Lucy. My dear Lucy, I wrote this story for you, but when I began... I did not realize that girls grow quicker than books. And as a result, you are already too old for fairy tales. And by the time this book is printed and bound, you will be older still. So he's regretting that, you know, she's going to be too old for this fairy tale, Chronicles of Narnia. And, oh, man, she grew up before I could finish it. But, he continues, but someday you will be old enough to start reading fairy tales again. You can then take it down from some upper shelf, dust it, and tell me what you think of it. I shall probably be too... And this is, this is classic Lewis humor here. <laughs> I shall probably be too deaf to hear and too old to understand a word you say, but I shall still be your affectionate godfather, C.S. Lewis. So, I like that. I'll be too deaf to hear. But anyways, uh, what he does there is he shows us something about us. Hey, Lucy, I know, like, you know, you were a kid when I wrote this, this little girl, and I wanted to give it to you, and I wanted you to enjoy it. It's this fairy tale. It's about imagination and creativity, and all these crazy things are going on, and there's dwarves, and there's talking fawns, and there's all these weird things. But now you're too old for that. That's sad. But I think there will be a day when you'll enjoy imagination and creativity once again. And you know what that tells me? It tells me that we all grow up imaginative and creative. Well, when you get a box, any of you as a kid get one of those big boxes, like a moving box? And man, what a world of wonder a box like that is when you're a kid. That box is everything. It is not four walls of boringness and nothingness. It is, it is a car. It is a TV. You cut out a little hole and you start playing TV. It's a puppet show as you put your hand over it. Or Christian Oriaga at the Christian school was uh, in a trash can, I think, something like that, in a, in a box. Uh, it becomes everything. I remember one of the Rugrat episodes was all about they found a box and they used it. I think maybe SpongeBob did something like that too. Imagination. <laughs> <laughs> 
When you're young, that's how you play. My brother and I and our friends, we would go, we had like this, we had national forests all the way to the desert at the house we grew up in. And so we just like no houses, you just go, go, go. So we would go out there and we'd play army and military and, you know, like we're in the middle of World War III and everything and bullets are flying. And of course, none of that was really happening. But we imagined this whole war and I was leading this whole battalion that you couldn't see. And Johnny was the enemy with his bigger army that you can't see. And we were shooting at each other with imaginary guns and imaginary bullets and imaginary injuries and wounds and, you know, this whole thing's going with imagination and creativity. And that's how kids play because we're all born with this, this, this imaginative, creative mind. But then we grow older and we begin to realize that this it doesn't fit in the box of the way things are done. And we feel like, well, I'm insecure about who I am. And I feel I got to be like everybody else now. And so we choose to abandon our imaginative, creative ways. And we instead go for the conventional way, the way that everybody is. We say, I will be somebody if I fit in and be better than everybody else. That's usually our goal. We want to be the same, but better. See, if you're just creative, you're like out here and nobody even knows who you are and you don't fit in and you're just, eh, he's just his own thing. But if we're like all the same, but I'm just better than you are, oh, now I'm special. So we, we abandon creativity. I mean, why, why don't we go bust out of the box and re-pursue it? That's what Lewis is holding the hope for that Lucy will do one day. So... Here's, here's the plea for creativity. I have three reasons why we should participate in it. Why I'm inviting you into creativity. And it's because it saves you from the box. The dark, boring, meaningless box. Three reasons for creativity. Here I invite you into it. Number one. Creativity reveals originality. Creativity reveals my original uniqueness. It makes me have a reason for being here. I'm not just another face in a crowd. I have specific qualities, specific gifts. God has made me something, and I'm unique in that. And usually that uniqueness makes us say, ah, I'm so insecure and imperfect. I'm not like them. And that's what we measure perfection as, is like them, the ones that act like they're perfect. But you're original. Now, here's where I share a personal story about, you know, struggling with being original. Um, well, I destroyed it, but I'll show you anyways. So, well, that's not Here, piece it together. So, see this? Okay, there's the box. You see what it says on the box? Cast. cast, with an E. Because this isn't like a cast of movie characters. It's a cast system. And from the cast, you have arrows going different ways, right? Okay. So, what the, what the box does is the box is the conventional right it's where everything fits it's where everything's the same it's normal it's there's the box well that causes a cast 
system of comparison. Do you know what a caste system is? Let me just clarify that real quick. A caste system is pretty much like a social order. You know, you have like, um, well, in the times of Jesus, you know, you had, you had the, the governors, and you had Caesar and his little minions, and you had the merchants. They're all the upper class. And then you have the peasants and the artisans, and they literally call them the expendables. That's the lower class. Right? That's a caste system. We are better than you are because we are literate and educated, and we have money. And we take your food and we eat it. Thank you. And that's a caste system. The box, fitting in, neglecting creativity, neglecting originality, causes a caste system of comparison. Because we're all in the box, we're all the same, and the game of the box is, who's better than who? So the caste system is all about, well, I'm ahead, you're behind, you're better, I'm worse. That's life inside the box. But originality says, no, you're all going to come out of that box and there's no comparing. There's no, I'm ahead of you and you're behind me. And there's none of that. Because you can't compare originals. So I had a friend named, a friend. And <laughs> um, he, he and I went to the same youth group together. And uh, so, you know, when, when you guys start at the same youth group together in your high school, you expect life to look pretty much the same, right? We come from the same place. We were raised by the same pastors in the same neighborhood, the same county, the same type of education. Like, we were equals. And as time goes on, at least from my point of view, it's clear that we are no longer equal, he was ahead of me. He was better than me in just about every way that I could imagine. You see, I played the game of comparison, comparing myself to him. Why? Well, because we both felt called to the same exact thing. Teaching and preaching the word of God. We both went down very different roads. We both ended up in very different places. He teaches and preaches for conventions and gets invited to conferences. Uh, he's studying under some very smart scholars that I like to read at school. He just finished and got his degree. He now works for a very well-known church under a very, very, very well-known pastor, whom I have several books of. Just a couple, actually. Um, and then you have me, <laughs> right? I started way after him. Um, I didn't get a degree. I didn't go study under fancy people. I'm not working for a nationally well-known writer, pastor. I don't hold a position in a church like that, <laughs> right? So you go down the list and you're like, wow, so here I am, a waste. <laughs> Both start from the same place, same age. Both have the same calling. And he's like, woo! And I'm like, eh. <laughs> And it's easy to, if you play the game of comparison and you live in that box, it's easy to say, well, he's ahead and he's better. And it's easy to feel insignificant and to totally forget the fact that there's originality at play here. 
And so I feel insignificant when I'm comparing. I feel like a loser. And you're all thinking of me too the same way now, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, that is the danger of the box and not pursuing creativity. Because without creativity, we forget about originality. And without originality, we compare ourselves to each other. And then we play the better than, worse than game. So, after really, really struggling with how I wish I had a lot of regrets when I was comparing, I was like, man, why didn't I, I, uh, and all these things I wish I could have redone, and thinking about redoing things, and I just sat down one day and wrote a very imperfect poem to help soothe myself. Creativity, by the way. (laughs) Uh, So, look, look, I'm being vulnerable here because uh, this poem is not perfect. It basically rhymes, that's about it. Now that I've read more poetry in my life, I'm kind of embarrassed to share this, but it's part of the story. So here, maybe it'll bless you, maybe not. Here's the poem. Oops. My discontented eye, you always look around and always ask me why I'm on unique and different ground. And why can't I believe your pen writes sovereignly? Why can't I receive this good story you write for me? Oh, villain of my soul, how often you deride what ought to make me whole and leave me fully satisfied. I call you out by name. You will not master me, enticing me with fame and and all its worthless vanity. Oh, pride, oh, pride, I live no longer selfishly. I choose instead to give all to the author's good story. So that's how I appeased myself. And I, oh, thanks. (laughs) And it really helped. It's amazing what just a little creativity does. And not only that, but the poem was actually addressing the immediate need. Here I talk about my discontented eye looking around. Because what I'm doing is I'm comparing and I'm asking questions. Why? Why am I different than them? Why are they different than me? I want to be like them. And secretly better. And then there's that doubt, that moment of doubt in the poem. The second stanza goes like, why can I believe that you're sovereign in all this and that you're choosing it the best you, you want for me? And then I call out this villain who's trying to make me not satisfied, sucking out my happiness. That's what comparison does, makes us unhappy. And then I say, I'm going to call you out by name. I'm going to own you. I'm not going to let you master me. And then at the last stanza, I call it out by name. It's pride. Pride is that caste system It's that comparison. Pride is what shrivels us into ourselves till we're concealed in a box. That's something Lewis talks about in Mere Christianity. So, um, originality. Creativity reveals our originality. Second reason I want to invite us into creativity is that creativity exposes beauty in the world around us. Creativity exposes beauty in the world around us. We have the box and it's boring. It's so enclosed and it's it's all sameness. But creativity gets our eyes out of sameness and it it just begins to think differently, look differently. And I I hear photographers, they're exercising creativity. Photographers talk about how they see the world differently because of their photography. They begin to see beauty in an old paint-chipped, weather-beaten 
like window shutter. You know, an old rusty weather vane. Beauty's everywhere. An old mossy, corroding tree trunk. And everything's not just the same. And it's just like, oh, this world. It's beauty's everywhere around me. And you're beginning to expose it and to see it. That's what creativity can do. Just a little bit of application in in your creativity, whatever it's called. Um, and you begin to see the world differently. You begin to see people differently. There's a book called The Giver. I know a lot of you have read it, or at least some of you have read it. Um, I love that book. It was super easy to read. It's like fifth grade reading level. Uh, but I love that book because it, it totally speaks to what I'm talking about. In The Giver, what you have is this society. We don't even know when it is or where it is. Um, and it's called the community. And the community is a place of sameness. Everybody is the same. Everybody has the same house, wears the same clothes. Kids get the same toys. Everything's issued by a governmental system so that everybody's the same. Everybody's equal. And it talks about the main character. His name is Jonas. And it keeps talking about how Jonas has pale eyes. Everybody else has dark eyes. He's unique in that way. And then as the story goes along, Jonas is different. Because it starts to talk about how he's looking at things and suddenly things change. He doesn't even know what, he doesn't know how to explain it, but he's watching an apple, two kids throw an apple in the schoolyard and he sees in mid-flight the apple changes, something happens to it, and then it goes back to normal. He's like, what the heck was that? What did I just see? And then in this, in this world of, and in the book you'll notice that there's no music, there's no expression, there's no art. The wording and language is very literal and direct and very short and concise and to the point. Um, and there is, and this is what I began to realize about halfway into the book, there is no color. That's why Jonas has pale eyes and everybody else has dark eyes. And what happens is he is elected, as everyone is, to a certain job. They choose your job and you turn 12. He's elected to the special role. He's called the receiver And this society was formed because mankind was tired of being different and comparing themselves with each other and having jealousy and pride and rivalry. They were tired of pain and hurt and sorrow. So to get rid of all that, they create a society where everything's the same and normal. No creativity. And you take the painful memories, even the good memories of life, and you throw them away and you place them all upon the receiver. So all the memories of what the world used to be like is all kept in the receiver, this person. And nobody else can remember anything. All they know is everything's now just gray, black and white, the same. No art, music, creativity. And so what happens is Jonah becomes their new receiver because the old guy is about to die. So he has to pass on the memories to Jonas. That's why he's called the giver. And as Jonas begins to receive these memories, what he does is he goes, he lays down, and the giver places his hand on his back, and he starts transferring memories to Jonas. And Jonas begins to experience them. He begins to experience pleasures and love and things that he's never known before. And and, and in these memories, he's beginning to feel things. He's beginning to see things. And for the first time, he sees color. Well, not the... What he realizes is that when he watched that apple go in the air, what he saw change was color. And in the memory, he began to identify, oh, that's red. 
And memories kept being transferred to him. And he began to experience, oh my gosh, there is this world of uniqueness and beauty and pain. But I would take the pain to experience this beauty and all these things he begins to realize. And he begins to pity the community. And he wants to save them out of this, the box that they're all in. So the story, I don't want to you know, blow it, but they go through this series of exciting stuff to fix that problem and transfer the memories upon the people. And that was a trip because as you're reading the book, you're feeling it. You're feeling this like super literal, everything's rigid, there's no excitement, there's no color, literally, there's no colors ever mentioned until Jonas begins to see them. You're like, oh, and then Jonas gets these memories like, yeah, life, life, beauty, beauty. That's what creativity can do, is it brings life and beauty into us. We just read 1 Peter 4.10, and the reason for that one is because it says that we're to be good stewards of God's varied grace. Varied. In the Greek, this word literally is various colors. So what Paul's talking about is there's, this, there's God's grace, and it's got not just like, here it is, it's black blob of grace. It's the spectrum of radiant colors. And Paul's saying, Peter, is saying participate in these. Know your gift, know where your grace is at, and start arraying the variety of colors that God has. Be that display, experience beauty in God's kingdom. Variety of color. We're not in a black and white world church. We're in a world that God created and has got color. And you and I all have different colors. And we need to begin to expressing the beauty and seeing the beauty. Color. So that's the beauty of creativity. And now, as a super practical point, what about our worship? I feel like too often our worship is like the world Jonas was in. You know? We just do the same old repetition. We just sing... If you guys even pray, which you should, your prayers are the same. You read your Bibles like you should, and it's the same. Just a different passage every day. Infuse your worship with creativity. Worship with your eyes open one time, then your eyes shut. Sing as loud as you can one day. Then just think about the words another day. How about when you pray? Sometimes we have to be all perfect in our prayers, all right. You know, my sister calls it, what does she call it? A velvet hat? Is that what she called it? Sometimes we pray with a felt hat. That's it, a felt hat. It's like all a soft, nice, fuzzy prayer for God. That's not how David prayed. I'm sorry. David like, goes to the prayers and he goes, God, I just want you to know, I don't like that guy. Smash his teeth out of his head. <laughs> have you ever prayed like that? It is tremendously... Prayer comes to life. There's beauty in expression. We look at the Psalms like beautiful. It's not the same old, I believe in God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I believe He came to die for my... It's, it's, It's expression. And sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's wrong. Sometimes it's raw. Sometimes it's awesome and majestic. It all goes together. Messiness and creativity. Worship that way. Read your Bible that way. Sometimes you just, you know, before you go to bed, like, hum, hum, okay, right. Uh, try journaling one day. Try walking through the woods and meditating on a passage another day. Mix it up and be creative. You'll find beauty in worship. 
don't limit God to a black blob of this is what we do. So creativity, I'm inviting us to practice creativity because it, it reveals our originality, it reveals beauty, and finally it reveals meaning. Meaning. Creativity clarifies meaning in your life. The box is boring, it's dark, it, it's got really no meaning other than I'm better than you or comparing to each one of It's just a big rat race in there. But creativity, as it opens up the box and we come out of it, that was a screw I just stepped on. That's weird. Um, it, it brings more meaning to life. And so now turn to our last passage, Genesis chapter 1. And this is where I see that creativity equates to meaning. Well, essentially, because that's how God started the world. <laughs> that's why it has meaning. It was created. And secondly, because he created us to be creative, more or less. So Genesis 1, you have in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then what we see is what it looks like as God begins to do this. Verse 2 says, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. So we got, you know, the box, if you will. That's how it opens. It's, it's just dark. There's not much there. Think of that as like the box that we're all prone to be stuck in. Well, what does God begin to do? He begins to create six days of creation. Day one, let there be light and there's light. And then, you know, let the, uh, the waters separate from the waters and then there was sky and then let the, let the land come out of the waters and then there was land and then there was fruit and vegetation upon it. Then day four, it was let there be stars and sun and moon and this beautiful constellation thing going on up there. And then uh, day five, there are um, stuff. And day six, there are animals and beasts that are made and it all comes together and suddenly the box we find is on each day it was just opened here opened there open with each creative act the box was completely deconstructed and now lays flat creation there's now meaning there's there's something more there's wow beauty originality meaning And then God makes man and woman. And this is the purpose of it. 126. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And it goes on. So we see that God's purpose with man was to make him in his image image that's not a form the image of God is not uh, at least the way I see it you can disagree with me but I don't think that the image of God is a form it doesn't mean that he's a biped like us he has white hair like old people or you know that he has hands or nose I know the Bible talks about his hands and nose but that's called poetry I think that it's the image of God is a function. It means that God has created us to function in a way similar to the way he functions. As it is, let us make him in, the, in our image. What's the next line? In our likeness. The image is a likeness. And then it's clarified that that's not a look-alikeness. It's an act-alikeness when it says, third line, let them have dominion. That's rulership. Let them do stuff with my creation. 
So meaning is found. It was meaninglessness. There's a box. God creates. He opens the box. And he puts man here. And he says, be like me. <laughs> in my image. And in a loose way, I take that to mean creativity. We do stuff with his creation. We, we mirror the fact that he's creator over this stuff. And then we, became the, we become the creatives of the stuff he created. Right? Bible. Tree, ink. What's ink made of? Like snail guts and stuff? I don't know. Oh, that's what they used to make it out of. There's ink. All this is leather cowhide, right? This is all stuff the creator made and we became creative with. So we find meaning when we begin to express our creativity because that's what we were made to be like. You're not an evolving animal. You're... In the image of God, and you're creative as God is creative. Obviously in a way lesser form. Okay. So that's my invite to you guys. Let's be creative. It, it reveals our originality. It shows us beauty. It clarifies meaning for life. Everything in the box was not. So live like that be creative because you are God's artwork so live like it we read Ephesians 2.10 in the beginning because it says you are God's workmanship I read that three times so you got that you are God's workmanship Greek you are God's poema Poema. Or literally talking about you are God's creative work. You are His beauty, His artwork. So the obvious invitation is live like it. Don't reduce that to a small box, but open it up and be original, be beautiful, have meaning. Close with this quote from Abraham Joshua Heschel. He is a Jewish rabbi from this century. He's dead now. This is what Abraham Joshua Heschel said just before he died. What would you tell young people? He said, I would tell them this. Above all, remember that the meaning of life is to live as if it were a work of art. You're not a machine. When you're young, start working on this great work called your own existence. Remember that the meaning of life is to live like you are a work of art. You're not a machine. Stop living like a machine and start creating. Start being creative. Oh, I know it's uncomfortable because your little box is being opened. Just do it. Paint something one day. Sing. JC does that. <laughs> to our dismay. That's good for him. <laughs> Write a short story for the heck of it. Critique a movie. Don't just watch it. Critique it. See, see what creative, creativity looks like through this director's eyes. Just 
just change it up a little bit. So I invite you to, with me, reflect our creator through our creativity. And let the world know that we are his poema.